Hi, this is Wayne Zell and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth. And today with me, my special guest is Mike Cushion. Welcome, Cush. It's good to have hey, you on the show. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks for having me. And uh, Mike has been, he spent his whole career really in government contracting. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how he ascended to where he is today and some of his experiences. The three takeaways for the listeners today. Number one, we're going to talk about the two or three things that uh, Mike thinks are, uh, thinks are the most important in getting your business ready to be sold as, as a government contractor or any business for that matter. Number two, we're going to talk about the area in which he's working, um, cybersecurity, and uh, how hot that is in terms of merger and acquisition work. And I'll bet it even gets hotter given what's going on in our world today. And then number three, um, he's had a lot of experience in working with companies that started up and grew and sold to much bigger companies. And I, I'm going to ask Mike about the factors, the key factors to his success, but you know, how important is the management team really in, in terms of doing all that? So, um, Mike, you went to the university of Maryland. You're a local boy like me. In fact, we both grew up in Montgomery County rivals. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about what happened after you got out of Montgomery County, you went to, to Maryland and what did you study and how did you get involved in what you're doing today? Yeah, thanks, Wayne. And, and again, thanks for uh, thanks for having me today. So, yeah, you're right. Montgomery County uh, went to Montgomery Blair High School. We, w we were rivals, um, uh, but and happy we were able to cross paths as uh, as uh, partners these days. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I went. So I went to the University of Maryland, computer science and economics um, in, in the early 80s. And, um, you know, had the opportunity to, you know, really, uh, you know, learn not only about just, uh, you know, computers and, and what was eventually cybersecurity, information security, but also the business side. The, the economics piece was very interesting on the business side, which I came to found, find, find out that it would help me out, you know, later on. I graduated from U University of Maryland in 1987 and uh, got a job with a little nine-person company that uh, had two contracts, uh, one with the Pentagon and one with uh, components uh, down at the White House. And uh, that's how I, how I got into the defense industry. Uh, got my clearance and spent a few years there before um, I was fortunate enough to to meet a longtime friend and colleague, Bob Coleman, um, where uh, I joined his his company, Integrated Data Systems or IDS. Right. And, uh, you know, we had a, had a great run uh, doing really cool stuff there. And that's kind of how everything started. So IDS was really successful. You grew that into a pretty big company and you sold it to Mantech. Is that correct? That's correct. 2003. 2003. And Mantech, of course, everybody who does government contracting knows who Mantech is. Ultimately, you guys went into the management positions at Mantech, right? Yes. So we, um, you know, we were a small business when we sold. We were about 300 people. Uh, but we were doing some really high-end uh, activities for, again, defense and the intelligence community, uh, cybersecurity, a lot of work in the counterterrorism space because it was it was post 9/11. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we got to Mantech, you know, we learned a lot during our time there, right? We, you know, as a small business, you think you know a lot, and then you get to a large business, and you're, you know, you're fighting in a different weight class, and you have to learn, you know, what that means. Uh, but we were able to ascend in the leadership positions there. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, help Mantech kind of continue to evolve and grow into the, you know, the business that that uh, they were then and, and still are today. So it was a great experience being there. Then the management team left and started up a company called 6.3, as I recall. Is that right? 
Six-three systems. That's right. Two two thousand nine. Again, uh, Bob Coleman. Um, like I said, longtime friend, mentor, uh, and colleague. And uh, yeah, we started up uh, six-three in two thousand nine and started uh, acquiring companies. Slightly different model, private equity backed. But I the see. idea was that we we came up with a strategy on what we thought were the most enduring national security challenges, and went out and did both acquisitions as well as uh, organic growth to um, achieve what we wanted to achieve. What was it like in private equity, working with private equity owners or you know people who basically backed the company? How, how did that affect the way in which you all did business? So first of all, let me start by saying that our private equity backers, which were GTCR at the time, were great to work with. Um, you know, they they uh, gave us the runway. They understood we we knew what we were doing. We understood the market. They made the capital available to us so that we could make the investments that we needed to make. Uh, it was obviously a little bit different than working at Mantech, which was a publicly traded company, and then IDS, which was privately owned by us. Uh, but it was it was a great experience, and and they were nothing but um, supportive in what we wanted to accomplish. And I think we. Um, you know, we accomplished great things and uh, they, they uh, benefited as a result. Awesome. And then 6.3 was sold to the behemoth Khaki, where you were for many years. Um, what was your involvement in the merger and acquisition activity in all these deals? IDS to Mantech, 6.3 to Khaki. So they were, you know, different experiences um, for, for those two. Um, I would be part of the management team doing a management presentation help set up all of the uh, all of the materials and the due diligence work that goes into it. It's it's substantial, right? Whether whether you're a small company like we were at IDS or a larger company like we were at, at 6.3, you know, it's a substantial amount of work. And, mm -hmm. and oh, by the way, you still have to support your customer's mission and and execute the business and support all your while you're going through this this yeah. disruptive activity. Yes. So so I, I was involved in, you know, pretty decent amount of of various activities in, in both of those transactions. And then uh, when did you start Black Horse Solutions? So Black Horse was incorporated in 2018. I got there in 2017, again, private equity backed uh, by uh, two two companies, uh, one Razor's Edge Ventures out of Reston, Virginia, and then uh, 1011 Ventures out of uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, they, they had done an initial acquisition in late 2017, which was sort of the spark, and then asked me to come run the business um, in late 2017 to take it to, you know, the, to the vision that we, we wanted it to, to, um, to achieve. And in, in a very short period of time, even after and during COVID, you were able to transition that business over to Parsons, which is another big company. Yeah, we had a we had, we had a great run at uh, at, at Black Horse, um, and you know, continue to this day, obviously. But uh, in in um, you know, I was I think I was employee number you know twenty when I got there, and you know, we were two hundred plus a couple of years later. Uh, we did both organic and inorganic growth. You know, the work we do at Black Horse is you know pretty high end cybersecurity, electronic warfare, information operations types things. Again, we. We, we put in place a strategy. Uh, what, what are the national security enduring challenges that we're going to face over the next 10 years? And we made the types of investments necessary to be able to provide that support to our customers. And then, as you mentioned, um, just this past July 2021, 
Uh, we sold the company to uh, Parsons and uh, great company, um, love being part of the Parsons family. They share a common culture that we have in terms of passion for technology and passion for for innovation and supporting our, our you know national security challenges. And uh, you know we're we're part of Parsons and uh, and we're rocking and rolling. That's great to hear. I, uh, I sold the company to Parsons too, and I, 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 you know, as long as everybody's happy and the culture's good, that's probably one of the biggest challenges when you're integrating companies after an acquisition. Is how can we keep this thing together and keep it humming? Are you still involved with Black Horse today? I am. So we're a wholly owned subsidiary, uh, working through uh, your traditional integration activities with a, with a large company. Uh, I now run a sector within Parsons that we call the high consequence mission sector, which comprises of all of Black Horse, plus some of the heritage Parsons programs that fit into the model of what we had at Black Horse, such as their cybersecurity work and some of their other national security activities. And so I'm amazed that you even have uh, a few minutes to talk with me today, given what's going on in the world. So uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for sure. your service. Uh, because I know what you're doing is so mission critical to the success of our country. Um, so getting to the questions that I wanted to focus on, there's always important things that a, a seller needs to be aware of when they're getting their company ready to sell. And so in your opinion, what are the two or three most important things that an entrepreneur who's built his company up, he's getting it ready to sell, what are the two or three most important things that they must do in order to have a successful sale, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, whether you do a auction type event where you're meeting with multiple companies and giving them the opportunity to learn about you, uh, or like we did with Parsons, where they offered us a preemptive deal. And as we got to know them, we decided to, to sort of go that route. You know, there's a couple things, you know, first off, you absolutely want to have, you know, your business buttoned up, uh, have, you know, the, the financials are, are solid. You can prove that you've been doing all the right and necessary things to meet all um, government requirements and other types of requirements and things like that. It'll just make the diligence process and the offering uh, that much better, particularly if you're being acquired by a larger or a strategic business. That, that is really important. I'll also tell you that um, having a good banker uh, is is critical. So we use Raymond James. Uh, I'll do a shout out to, to Sam and Andy, uh, who they're known as in this industry. And uh, they did a great job uh, supporting us, even though we um, went with a preemptive bid with Parsons and had started the process before we even picked a banker. Uh, they were instrumental to making sure that that the deal executed as expected the due diligence process was as, as painless as it could be, uh, because again, we did have a business to continue to run. Uh, and we gave Parsons the confidence by giving them the right kind of information that's needed. So, you know, sometimes people say, ah, you know, I can do this without a banker or something like that. I, I would I get a banker, get a, get a good banker like Raymond James and uh, or some of the other good bankers out there. And, and uh, you'll it, it's worth the investment uh, easily. That's really important because what you did in that particular transaction was not do an auction process where the investment bankers really bring in their Rolodex and they open it up and they basically, yeah. you know, allow hundreds, if not, you know, dozens of businesses 
to bid on your business. You didn't need to, but you needed them for the, the nitty gritty stuff yes. that had to be done to complete the deal. So that's, that's a, that's a good lesson learned. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more that of what you can tell us about the stuff that you do and why it is so hot from an M&A perspective, the cybersecurity world. You know, when people mention cybersecurity, it encompasses a variety of different things that, uh, you know, could fit within the definition of cybersecurity. Sure. In your case, I understand that there's some very mission critical things that you do that Black Horse did, does, that Parsons does that is highly sought after by everyone in the industry. Why, why is that the case? And, and what can you tell us about what you do without revealing anything that's confidential? Sure. So, you know, we're not a traditional cybersecurity products company. You know, there's many of those out there. We're more a, you know, defense and intelligence solutions provider with emphasis and focus in particular areas. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Wayne, you know, what we tried to do is we tried to say, what are the challenges for the next 10 or 20 years that our country is going to face from a national security perspective? And time and time again, we heard that information warfare, being able to, to understand what's going on in the information space and provide the type of, of um, timely information that tactical commanders and national authority needs to know is what is needed for the next 10 years. Uh, we also wanted to focus on um, near peer threats uh, and, and kind of leave behind uh, what, what we've been doing you know, for the last 20 years. So we used that as the model for the acquisitions we made and the investments we made in our organic growth. And that ended up being, you know, uh, through a combination of a little bit of skill and a whole heck of a lot of luck, you know, we, we sort of hit the right tone. So, you know, we build um, electronic warfare capabilities that, that uh, our customers use, a lot of cybersecurity operations, uh, things within the information operations space, and then, and then some, you know, traditional work supporting uh, Title 50 organizations that uh, when you bring it all together, it gave us the ability to provide an offering to our customers that uh, instead of these sort of, you know, stovepipe acquisitions, they, they could buy multi-domain operations, for example, and be able to get, you know, all of those capabilities in one, one particular offering. And so I think, you know, uh, that was very intriguing, you know, to Parsons and, and other companies. Combined with the fact that, you know, I put together a great management team. Our leaders are, are awesome. I mean, they're all, they're all CEOs. They just happen to, you know, be inside a black horse. A fabulous, you know, infrastructure. And then again, great partners with Razor's Edge and 1011. Uh, God, I could keep doing my, my, my board of directors was fabulous. My board of advisors were fabulous. And, and it just, it, it all came together in a, in a great sort of way. And we were able to tell a compelling story to, to, to Parsons to the point where, you know, they, they wanted to uh, complete the acquisition. Awesome. A couple of questions that come out of what you just said. Um, first on board of directors versus board of advisors. Um, you had both, yes. as I understand it, at Black Horse. And on the board of directors, how many people served on that board with you? Uh, it was seven. Okay. Seven. So we had and then obviously the private equity firm had their representatives. You were there and other representatives were on there. Yes. How big was your board of advisors? Uh, six people. 
And were any of them directors or they were all independent out of the board of directors? They were, they were all independent. So these were um, visionaries, uh, American heroes, frankly, and, and others who had either served our country and were veterans, uh, served our country as civilians, uh, or were, you know, in industry and had, you know, knowledge and expertise in that particular area that, I, you know, that I had come across over the years. Maybe I, maybe they were a customer of mine, maybe they were a colleague of mine. And, you know, I, I, I asked if they would be willing to, you know, be an advisory board member uh, as part of the team. And uh, fortunate enough for us, uh, they all accepted. And uh, they were very integral in helping us shape where we were going and, you know, give us guidelines that uh, allowed us to, you know, ultimately have some pretty good success. So for the entrepreneurs out there, there's two things you can take away on what Mike Cushion just said, and that is have a board of directors that is diverse and big enough to allow you to operate your company properly, but then also have a board of advisors with people who can really supplement the tools that the board of directors provides and that the management team provides. It's giving you the vision. It gives you the opportunity to grow your business in the right way as you, uh, as you exit. The, um, the, one, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was the importance of a good management team. You said everybody on the team was a CEO. How did you recruit and get such stellar individuals to serve with you on a management team, knowing that, you know, we're growing this thing and you could be a C they could be a CEO of any company, really, any startup that they wanted to do, general government contractor. How did you, how were you able to put this team together and get them to stay together? Yeah, you know, we, we, we were very fortunate. Again, you know, some of our, our management team came through um, acquisition and then some were um, uh, just the uh, growth. But in the case of the acquisition, a couple of them, we had worked together in, uh, in previous lives. You're absolutely right. They, they, uh, they by themselves could be, you know, CEOs of, of their own small business and grow the business. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to say, look, we're going to do something special here and, you know, be part of that. Uh, the idea that, that we were private equity backed gave us the ability to go fast, which was important, important to me, particularly given the current circumstances of, of budget opportunities and, and things like that. Let's go fast. Let's, let's build a, let's build something great and, and learn along the way. Uh, and when it's your turn to, um, to, to go out and be the CEO of your own company, maybe along as part of this journey, you've, you've picked up some, some knowledge of how to deal with private equity firms or how to interact with the board. You know, they already knew their, their mission area to a T and they knew how to support customers and they knew how to support their, their customer's mission. Uh, they were able to learn some of the business side sort of along the way. And I think that uh, that sort of compelled them to say, hey, let me, let me give this a shot and uh, maybe this will propel me to what I, whatever I want to do next. So, uh, and, and I, that's exciting. Yeah, and I would say to this day, you know, we were, uh, uh, you know, about eight months into the Parsons acquisition and the entire management leadership team is still here. So I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with that uh, because it just shows that what we ultimately did, you know, we made good choices and we did it the right way. And it also shows what a great leader you are and a great CEO you were to gather those people around you and give them the time to shine 
and the ability to do their jobs well and learn all along the way. So congratulations to you on Thanks, that. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. We're really uh, fortunate to have had Mike Cushion as a special guest on Blueprint for Wealth, and thanks for uh, joining us. But don't leave us yet. Stay tuned for an educational moment where I'll talk a little bit more about some of the things you need to do to get your business ready to be sold. Thanks a lot, and we'll be right back after this. Thanks, Wayne. Hi, this is Wayne Zell, and welcome back to Blueprint for Wealth for your educational moment. And we're talking about, we were just talking about selling businesses and how you do it. Well, in order to sell a business, you need a process to sell a business. So the process of selling a business involves five steps. Assembling the right team, getting your business house in order, deciding on the right process for the deal, negotiating the deal, and then, of course, negotiating the fine points of the deal. Assembling a team involves bringing in attorneys, CPAs, your management team, who should participate, and maybe an investment banker or a broker. The attorneys should have experience in selling businesses. They should know about your business. They should have good reputation and therefore check their references. And they should have the bandwidth and fee structure among the areas of expertise that are required to do an M&A transaction. The CPAs need to also have tax and merger and acquisition focus, and they need to understand how to do due diligence, particularly for the industry that you're involved in. Of course, if the buyer is asking for a quality of earnings analysis, they will be involved in helping you articulate your quality of earnings. The management team and support, well, You've got to decide who you're going to trust to participate in the process. You may want to uh, engage an attorney to help draft a special non-disclosure agreement for those who are participating. So you want to watch out for risks of confidentiality breaches, and you want to basically put the fear of God into anybody so that they don't breach that confidentiality. And then at the same time, you've got to have people running your business. You or anybody else needs to be involved in continuing to run the business. Do you need an investment banker? Some people don't think so. In most cases, though, the investment banker, even if they don't find you the right buyer, will help you articulate the value that you are seeking to create in the sale of your business. Make sure your attorney reviews the investment banker or business broker's agreement before you sign it, because there are always traps for the unwary in those agreements. And lastly, what's their reputation? What do their fees cover? And how much work are they really going to do to help you in this transaction? I'm Wayne Zell, and thanks again for listening to Blueprint for Wealth and joining us for our special guests and educational moments. Join us next time for another special guest and special to topic of interest to you. Have a great week. Music.